0: I'm Lee Gowland I'm Brian Davis and this is the
1: 49 er faithful UK show
0: Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the 49 er faithful UK show It's week 15 and we've just played the Seahawks at Levi Stadium. Anybody who isn't familiar with the 49ers, and in particular the adversity they faced this season with regards to injuries, probably wouldn't have been aware that they were watching a team of third-string players stand toe-to-toe with a playoff-bound team. We've been seeing for the past couple of months now that we aren't as bad as the results suggest, and I think last night's game proves once again that we can be p- competitive when the players do their jobs. It's been five years since we've experienced the Joe of win against the Seahawks, and that, that's definitely been a long five years. And last night, we witnessed a signature game by Buckner, a coming-out party for Solomon Thomas, the arrival of a group of young and hungry defensive players, the blossoming of a key partnership between Warner and Lee, the best single-season passing performance by a quarterback against the Seahawks with Mullins edging out Ken Stabler by four yards, the first kick-return touchdown since 2011, and also the continued growth of a wide receiver who could be set to excite us for many years to come. However, it wasn't all great football by the Niners, some of the negatives we talked about in the past few weeks, and again on Friday in the preview show, made an appearance. W- which ones in particular did you pick up on, Brian?
1: Oh, it seems a shame to start with negatives, doesn't it, on such a good result? but <laughs>
0: It does, you're right.
1: Um, yeah, there was a few. Um, there was a couple of big drops in there, wasn't there? Trent Taylor, Kendrick Bourne, big drops on crucial plays. Um, that was a little bit disappointing. Uh, the I thought the clock management at the end of the game was a bit bizarre, wasn't it? Um, We essentially could have had that ball back with what? Probably not a minute, but certainly a good 45, 50, 55 seconds or so. Maybe we had two timeouts. I I thought that was a real chance for us to, to uh, go out and probably make a statement in uh, regulation time to try and win the game. So I can see perhaps why they've done it. They, they want to, maybe take it to overtime and uh, take their chances but it would have been nice to have uh, if, if we'd have lost I'd have been probably really upset and annoyed about that but you know as it was we won we in overtime so you know great um, Richburg I didn't think I thought that was probably his worst game for us wasn't it last night
0: yeah, um, yeah he was poor
1: yeah particularly late in the game um, the amount of pressure that we were giving up in the middle was uh, was frightening at times and Mullins took a he took an absolute pasting in at times didn't he during the game, and the majority of those came through through the you know the those gaps in the centre. Um, God, I feel like I'm going on with loads of negatives after a win, but yeah, <laughs> Jeff Wilson, yeah he had a drop and a fumble, and obviously the the bad temperament penalty and essentially killed yeah three of our drives one after the other. Um, Witherspoon got injured, but. I think there was a, a bit of a shine in light in Witherspoon getting injured, and the fact that Moore came in and played so well. Um, but it is a shame because you know Witherspoon's just been starting to you know get his stuff together on the field, hasn't he? And he's been he's looked really good the last couple of weeks. So
0: that's yeah, a shame.
1: Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, Breeder obviously he's picked up a knock at the end. That's why he wasn't running the ball in overtime. So we need to have a look and and see what's up with him this week. Third down conversion wasn't particularly good. Ex, Antoine Exum, Exum, Um he was awful. Uh, he spent far too much time running around trying to blow people up like Ronnie Lott and not actually make plays, wasn't he? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree it, it with It looked that.
1: like he was running around with a red mist, didn't it?
0: Well, that, that one where I think it was Baldwin got the touchdown, I, I, I've watched it a couple of times now. I, just, I can't work it out in my head why he just stopped. And let them run past them. It was the strangest thing ever.
1: Yeah, it was a bit of yeah. an odd one. Um and then the last one. I just thought the um when we blitzed, we just looked a little bit off off the pace, didn't we? Yeah. We were every time we bought the blitz we would I don't know whether that was more down to Wilson or whether that was down to um I don't want to say poor execution, just, just maybe not good enough execution. the fact that every time we did we did blitz we would just it was like we just didn't have that extra second um or we weren't there a second quick enough just to just to create that additional hit um and pressure on on Wilson um and obviously no turnovers but that seems an yeah. awful lot of negatives for a win so um i've countered that with um hopefully right. as many positives as i have negatives
0: so just before we get into the positives you've pretty much covered off everything i had from negatives apart from the one thing and I still think it's a negative that we've dropped to fourth in the draft order, but it, it shouldn't detract from the fact that we've just had a fantastic mm-hmm. result against a divisional mm-hmm. rival. Uh, and the benefits of that is we, we've got a lot of second-year players and a lot of rookies who n- have now gained experience of closing out games against the yeah, playoff-bound divisional rival. Uh, and that's going to pay dividends next year. Or maybe it's even in the next two games. It's, it's going to pay dividends because – We've said it many times this year, we've had a lot of close games where we've been leading in the fourth quarter and we haven't been able to close out games. We've now done that against the divisional rival. Mm. So that's got to stand us in good stead. So that, that, that was a huge benefit of the negative of dropping down to fourth in the draft order. Yeah, definitely. Right, so on to positives. And I think there's a good chance that we've both got quite a few here. So I'll let you crack on with that.
1: Yeah, just feel free to interrupt at any point then. <laughs> um, yeah, Mullins, no problem. Mullins was absolutely fantastic again. Um, Twenty for 29, 225 yards, touchdown, no interceptions, no fumbles. I think he's absolutely cemented his place as the backup now.
0: Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, and yeah. while you're talking about Mullins, so, so Mullins is currently third behind Mahomes and uh, Mayfield in yards per attempt since mm. his Week 9 debut, and is second to Mahomes on most passing yards per game in NFL history. well, wow. <laughs> Closely followed by Drew Brees, Matt Stafford, Andrew Luck, and Peyton Manon. That's so he's company, keeping very good company, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, he came back from a a, a paston at times, as we said earlier. Uh, and then if you think he had those two, I think there were two overthrows to Kittle, wasn't there, that he had, those probably could have been... Yeah huge gains and then you look at the chop the from Bourne and Taylor as well potentially he could have only had two or three in you know incomplete passes on, on the night last night it was um you know it, it I thought he was fantastic last night really really good um it was I, I it was pretty obvious that Kittle was going to be double teamed out and, and we saw that he still managed to get three for 51 but that was kind of my thinking about why I said someone like a, a Trent Taylor would potentially could have a good game on Sunday.
0: Yeah.
1: Unfortunately he didn't but it, it paved the way for for Sallet, didn't it 2 for 61 with a touchdown. And I say I thought someone might surprise us and not come from nowhere to have a good game but you know one of those sort of type players who no one would really account for that potentially would come in and do well and Sallet did well for that. Richie James' return touchdown. That was our first kick return touchdown since Ted Ginn in 2011. Yeah. The thing that I loved the most about that, though, was um, Janikowski's, in brackets, effort on that tackle.
0: Yeah. (laughs) His non-effort. And the look on his face.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm not having any part of that. I'm just off to the sideline. And I think... Geez, man, you know Richie James is probably one of the smallest players on our teams, and if you don't want any part of him, you're, uh, yeah, you don't want any part of anyone, really, do you?
0: Yeah, he looked a little bit sheepish on the uh, the sidelines. Extremely sheepish. After we got that touchdown, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, There was loads of positives for me. Uh, I enjoyed the fact that we had a couple of really long, sustained drives. We were methodical. We were converting on. You know, we weren't leaving it to third down. We were getting it done on first and second down. I thought, you know, on those drives as well, we were efficient. Defensively, Buckner was outstanding. Uh, Eleven tackles, two sacks, both of which ended drives. Four tackles for loss, and I think three quarterback hits. I read this morning, which is yeah, that's just like a just a, an awakening for us, isn't it, to see that kind of uh, those statistics coming through. And as yeah, you touched definitely. on earlier, I thought Solomon Thomas was good. We had great interior pressure. He drew a couple of penalties on their offensive line for holding. Both interior linemen, uh, sorry, interior line both linebackers, um, Elijah Lee and, and Warner, I thought they were fantastic. Elijah Lee looked like a starter. He'd been there all season. He had 10 yeah. tackles, including one for a loss. Warner was good again, as always, I thought, in the secondary. Moore played really, really well when he was there. He had two huge pass breakups. Seven tackles. So I think if, if Witherspoon's out for any amount of time, you know, we sort of say to Moore now, right? You, you know, the, the job's yours for a couple of games or for a week. Go out there and see what you can do. Again in secondary, I thought Marcel Harris looked really good, good against the run. DJ Reed was seemed decent as well from you know the bits that I've seen. Yeah.
0: God,
1: I could go on and on. Dante Pettis, <laughs> he was brilliant.
0: Yeah, Don- Dante think- Pettis. I- unbelievable that his last yeah his last four games seventeen receptions three hundred and thirty eight yards four touchdowns and a whopping nineteen point eight eight yards per catch
1: yeah just incredible and he looks like he's he's got if if we can scheme him into the into the game plan as Kyle has in these last couple of weeks then his his future at the forty nine ers is incredibly exciting we touched on it last week as well. The, the way that he gets separation and the ability that he has to get yards after the catch. Potentially, he could be a number one receiver for us. I'd still like to, for us to go out in in either the draft and, and see if we can get another a number one type wide receiver. But at the minute, you've got to think, well, if Pettis can continue this form into next season, he, he potentially could be that man.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, we broke a streak of 10 games against Seattle, which you touched on earlier, and that was actually our first win against uh, Seattle at Levi's. And I'm loath to do this. Yeah, I'm loath to do this because the last time I heaped praise on him, he he missed a kick the week after, but I thought Robbie Gould was fantastic again. Just absolute clutch. Absolute clutch. clutch. He was brilliant. I don't don't know why the Bears got rid of him.
0: Yeah, and and hopefully he'll be at the Pro Bowl as well. Mm. Yeah, he's done his chances... No harm at all in in last yeah. night's game.
1: So yeah, so I feel bad having all of those negatives, but I've um, hopefully I've um, counteracted that with even more positives.
0: So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the scheme earlier, because that's one of the things I've actually missed out on my notes, but meant to mention. Um, a, a lot of the the NFL groups I'm a member on Facebook. There's a lot of Seahawks fans on there saying, "No, oh, you only won because we we had blown coverages all day long." They didn't have blown coverages. That was the scheme that um, Shanahan had designed to take advantage of the way they play. Yeah, it there's a reason why blown our
1: receivers are constantly in acres and acres of open space. It's not through blown coverages. It's the schemes that Carl's putting together. Exactly. It, yeah. If, even if you allow, you know, Select to go out out there and be wide open, ninety five percent of the time he's he's going to make that cash and he's and that is purely down to the scheme that we're putting out there. That's not down to blown coverages. That's down to clever play calling.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just found it amusing that the Seahawk fans were basically saying, "Oh, yeah, we we've had a really bad day, and it was blown coverages and penalties that cost them." Yeah. Um, when did they I start mean, becoming lot- fans?
1: Twenty eleven, twenty twelve.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, a, a lot of the penalties that uh, they had. I mean, Solomon Thomas Solomon Thomas drew two of those penalties because he was mm. bursting straight through their line, and yeah. he, was, he, he would have flattened Wilson had they not grabbed all of them and kept all of them. So, yes, they had penalties. They did have a few discipline issues towards the end of the game where they were doing stupid things. But the vast majority of the penalties they had was because we were making it so difficult for them, and they had to either hold or or do something that drew the flag. Yeah. Um, and that in itself is is pleasing to see that we've played a team that's had so many penalties. In fact, I think that was um, I think that was a record for the Seahawks, 148 yards in penalties throughout mm. the game. They had. But yeah, I mean, we we did. We made it so hard for them. I mean, overall, the team fought from start to finish. The defence was swarming the ball, carrying and covering much better than we've seen all season. Solomon Thomas had by far the best game I've seen him play in a 49-ish uniform. Um, Since he's moved inside, he's grown week on week and is now looking like a player worthy of a first-round selection. Maybe he's not as high as what we took him, but he's definitely looking worthy of a first-round selection now. Mm. And one of the interesting things is he played on 65 of 75 snaps, and that's a huge increase on the earlier games this season where he he was only playing maybe 55% of the snaps, and he's ended up in the uh, 80s, 80% of the snaps, exactly the same as Buckner as well. Yeah, yeah. It's good to see that we are actually getting the use from that first round pick and he is starting to produce now they've moved him inside, which was his preferred position.
1: Yeah, and if you if you think what he could produce, I know we're not probably not going to land him now, but if, if you imagine we've got someone like a Bosa or one of these other elite pass rushers on the other end and we can coax maybe one of these um, other free agents away from one of their teams in this off-season... Solomon Thomas potentially could be a monster in the middle then, because you've got to worry so much about Buckner, you've got to worry so much about, you know, who's coming off e- either end. Potentially, then, if, if Solomon Thomas can win his one-on-one matchup in in the in the middle, he, he could uh, he could be a real a real benefit to that defensive line, and he, we could sort of see a, a real you know breakout season from him next season, depending on on what we've got at the at the end of the line.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: So there's, there's there's so much more, you know, and he, he can get even better than than what he's we've seen of his improvement in the last few weeks. So yeah, that's uh, that the hope on Solomon Thomas is still still high. He, he probably won't ever deliver that number three value overall, but like I say, we, we get another couple of bodies and pass rushers on that defensive line over this off season. He he really could come alive next season, and for many seasons to come.
0: Yeah, yeah, agreed. it would be interesting as well to see if we uh, do re-sign Eric Armstead because he's had a really good season, a very mm-hmm. good season indeed. Um, and he is looking, well, I'm saying re-sign him, take up his option. Obviously, it's going to yeah. be a lot in uh, cap space, but we do have the cap space. And I really do hope we, we take up his option based off his play this season. Um, and yeah, like I said, if, if we take a decent defensive end in the draft, Obviously, it's not going to be Bosa. Bosa will go number one. But if we take a decent defensive end in the draft, and we have this new defensive end, and Thomas and Buckner playing inside, and Armstead on the other end, I think we've got one hell of a defensive line there.
1: Yeah, well, potentially Arizona have got a a need at tackle, haven't they? So they might if if they see a a tackle that's there, or they might want to trade back um, at that number one pick if they manage to hold on to it. So there's a chance that Bosa might drop down, but I can't see him probably getting down to four if uh, if the hype is to be believed.
0: Yeah, I can't see him getting down to four either.
1: Yeah.
0: And to be honest, I really don't see the Cardinals take him because then we'll be going up against both Bosa and Aaron Donald. And if you throw in Frank Clark as well, you're going yeah, up well, against Goldsby Blitz this six year, times. But...
1: Yeah, but he's got um, oh, he's right. got previous yeah. with domestic violence, so he might be someone right. that we me uh, we might want to take a bit of a a wide berth on.
0: Yeah, yeah, agreed.
1: So it'd be something that potentially could be uh, a problem for someone else, um, or possibly Seattle in, in the future. I think we've uh, had our fingers burnt too many times with those kind of issues to potentially go after uh, a free agent who's got previous with that now.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So, one more point on Bugner and and his signature game. His 11 sacks now makes him the second defensive tackle sack leader behind Aaron Donald. So, he's definitely keeping good company up there. Mm. And um, it's good to see that both of those players play in the NFC West because it just goes to show how difficult the NFC West is. Regardless of record, I mean, we've been seeing this all year long, our record doesn't really reflect how good we are
1: no it doesn't we'd have, we'd have had no no business at all picking uh, number 1 overall okay. should we have, have managed to you know end up at that point in the draft we we were we're far too good for for the for the number 1 overall pick
0: yeah so i've got a few other things that uh, i want to bring up outside of the game um and the first one is the quarterback coach, Rich Scangarello. I believe he's getting some um, some attention as far as coaching jobs elsewhere is concerned, um, offensive coordinator and actually head coaching jobs as well. His name has been mentioned and it's not surprising because he's done an absolutely amazing job with all the quarterbacks on the roster. He brought Garoppolo up to speed last year and is now working wonders with Mullins. He's doing an absolutely fantastic job. So it, doesn't surprise us that his name crops up in coaching conversations.
1: No, definitely not. yeah, I mean, they've um they've obviously done a good job scouting the quarterbacks because they've obviously gone out and identified something in him and they know he can obviously work within this particular scheme. and for him to come in and look as comfortable as he has, and as an undrafted free agent, that tells you that they're doing something right in that. Uh, in, in what they're coaching and what they're uh, what they're looking for when they're going out and identifying these guys in, in the free agency so they, they've turned Nick Mullins into someone who probably wouldn't have even been on a roster this uh, this season into someone who looks like he's potentially got what it takes to be a more than capable um, backup in the NFL I mean the, the path that he's on he potentially could go further and uh, you know I don't want to get carried away but Statistically, he could be.
0: So I was just going to get carried away (laughs) (laughs) and basically say Nick Mullins could be our Nick Foles. However, if you actually think that through a little bit, if Nick Mullins was our Nick Foles, then that means that we're going to lose our starter again to injury (laughs) and I'd rather not have that happen. Yeah. Yeah. But these comparisons there, um, we've been saying all along we need a decent backup who can win games. Nick Mullins is that guy.
1: Yeah.
0: I can well expect Bethard's going to be either released or traded during the off-season. That there's no, We're definitely not going to keep three quarterbacks on the roster. So I think that is basically Bethard's career as a 49er done unless something amazing happens during the off-season. I would have thought they'd rather keep Mullins because he can win us the games. Where Bethard, he almost gets us there but just can't close it out. So yeah, I think we'll have Mullins as the backup next year.
1: Yeah, I think we will have three. Well, we probably will have three quarterbacks on the, on the roster next season. I just maybe don't, don't think, think be that, Bethard. that Bethard is going to be uh, is going to be one of them now.
0: Yeah, yeah, agreed. So another thing that happened in last night's game. Frank Gore took an injury and he's out for the rest of the season. That's actually the first game he's missed since twenty ten He had one hundred and twenty six consecutive starts mm. and that's just amazing. yeah
1: yeah you you wonder whether this might actually be it for him, don't you now? I know it's not a it's not a bad bad injury, but it would yeah. be an awful way for him to finish his career in the n f l wouldn't it bowing out with a with a you know going out with an injury
0: yeah. Yeah, it would be.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see him back in the NFL next season. I'd love to see him on a team that uh potentially Super Bowl bound next season. And I know there's very little place for sentiment in the NFL and in a lot of sports, but it probably won't be with us. Or say, I'd say it was unlikely, that, very unlikely it would be with us, but I'd love to see him have one more go at it, at trying to get a, a ring, um, and then retire as a 49er at some point in, in the
0: future. You know what? If we get to the end of October and we are looking really good for the playoffs, if if we're looking strong, we haven't had the injuries that we've had this year, if they feel as though we can give up that one roster spot, I'd love to see us try and bring them in.
1: Yeah, I just don't think we'd have that roster spot there, I think if if you're competing at that highest level, every roster spot is you going You need to be, it, yeah. You yeah, you're going 53. to need it. And with the way that it's moving now with the likes of Tom Savage essentially becoming a 54th member of the uh, of, of the roster and, and with quarterbacks moving around and, and with the way that teams seem to utilise that cut-in sign-in, cut-in sign-in sort of Monday to Thursday type thing, then I just don't think yeah. it's something that we would do. Yeah, like I say, it's it's great to have those sort of sentimental feelings. I just think if if you're contending, I just don't think it's uh, it's something we would do. But I'd certainly like to see him. Imagine him on the team like the Saints or or the I don't want to say the Rams, but someone like the Saints or the Chiefs this season would be brilliant, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I've got one more point to make. Um, so it wasn't just the draft spot that changed with last night's win. We were currently set to play both the Giants and Lions based on divisional standings. Uh, but obviously, because of last night's win, that has actually changed because we've moved above the Cardinals. So we're now looking at uh, matchups against both the Washington Redskins and the Green Bay Packers. Mm. So not only has the draft spot changed, but also two of our potential opponents next year.
1: Well, where it's going, I don't think there'll be many teams we won't fear next season. we we'll there, so Giants, Lions, Washington, Green Bay, bring them on.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, completely agree with you. Right, do, do you have anything else?
1: I just wanted to say that hit by the name who by the player's name I'm about to butcher in overtime was bloody
0: the line- brilliant. Yeah, the linebacker.
1: <laughs> Tell me I know which one you're talking about. Is. That's that it. was. <laughs> I mean, it's a family podcast and I don't want to swear, but that was, I mean, that got me out of my seat at whatever time it yeah. was this morning. That was, I was just bang.
0: <laughs> yeah, the the noise was absolutely fantastic. Oh, that was it was beautiful. What an yeah.
1: incredible hit that was. I love that. I I'll, absolutely loved it.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I must admit, when I, when I saw him try and stand up after the hit, <laughs> the first thing I thought was, I, I wonder if he's knocked himself out because he's hit them yeah. that hard. Um, but he did get up and he was okay, and I, I think I think it was more of a dead leg um, mm. that he had than anything else. But you're right, that hit was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that that's actually reminded us of the open field tackle by Sherman. I can't remember what part of the game it was, but I thought that was absolutely excellent. It, it looked as though that, uh, I think it was Carson. It looked as though Carson was going around the side of him, and he just basically wrapped all of them and threw him to the floor. Yeah, and I thought that was great. So yeah it's been a long time coming. Um 5 years since our last win over the Seahawks. Over the moon that we've gotten that monkey off our back. We now need to take this into next season and, and and beat the Cardinals because unfortunately we still own the uh the current record of uh, the most defeats against a single team. Um it was 10 defeats by Seahawks and I think it's 9 defeats by the Cardinals. Mm. So yeah, next season we need to turn the Cardinals over a bit payback from this season.
1: Yeah, well we should have done that this season really shouldn't we when we looked at the uh when you look back at those two games now.
0: Yeah, both games were definitely winnable and to be honest the Cardinals didn't win those we we handed it to them on a plate. Yeah.
1: Did I say earlier about us Bad managing the clock at the end
0: of the game. It was the first half, wasn't it? Not the you end did, of the game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it was the first, at the first half, half. The end of the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I noticed yeah. that as well, and that was a little bit frustrating. Why, uh, especially why on earth would you use a timeout and then just nail? Yeah, I
1: don't know. It's a bit of an odd
0: one. Yeah, yeah. I think there's maybe some communication issues going on there, or it just didn't click quick enough. Yeah, but I mean, he's a He's a first-time coach, so he is bound to have stuff like that happen and then hopefully he'll realise, he'll learn from the experience and think, well, actually, I, I should have stopped the clock when they were on third down yeah, and give us a chance to march up the field and get a field goal. Yeah. But, yeah, we're looking good. Last night, absolutely amazing. Couldn't stop smiling. Um, And i tell you what, I've I've just got this sneaking suspicion. So I I think it might have been Adam Schefter. He tweeted, our last three games of last year, so we'd won in week 15. Obviously, we won the last five games of last year. But the next game was against the number one defense, which was the Jags, and we turned them over.
1: Obviously, it's against the Bears this
0: time. And then last season's last game was against the Rams, and this season's is, and we turned them over. Um, and there's also some sort of comparison between the, the quarterbacks Mullins and Garoppolo with the, the stats they had in the week 15 game so somebody mentioned in the group um, it's possible that we could go on and in the last two games they're certainly not going to rest starters I mean at the moment the Rams are losing their home field advantage so they need to win out
1: yeah it um, kind of annoys me people with stuff like that are people that are now moaning that oh we might be picking six or seven in the draft well if that's the case then so be it but it's not going to be like that because the, the bears are trying to play for as uh, you know they they're trying to get as high up as they can aren't they essentially they're, they're trying to get as high a seed as possible and the way yeah. the rams season's going and they're, they're potentially losing out on home field advantage so these two teams aren't going to come or we're not you know the bears aren't going to come into santa clara on sunday and roll over and the rams by the way that their season's going they're going to be gunning for us to go out and try and and get that number one overall seed because the way it's going, they're they're going to lose it. So anyone who thinks these two games are going to be a walkover and we're going to lose even more um, of our draft capital is just talking nonsense to me, to be perfectly frank.
0: Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. It's going to be two really tough games to finish out the season and it's going to be a really good uh, test of how far we've come. Especially as I mentioned at the start, of the uh, the podcast, we are a largely a team of third string players that have come together and it's finally starting to click. Last night was probably the best I've seen us play all season because overall, for the vast majority of the game, we did look really good. Yeah. So fingers crossed, we have two really good games to finish the season. If we pick seventh, eighth, or ninth, who cares? There'll be quality players available. You just take the best player available, if there's none to fit your need.
1: That's right. Uh, just, I just want to say, just to jump in again that um, Robert Salas' coaching the last couple of games has been brilliant. It's, it's almost like he's had the the fire lit underneath him, and you can see that in in the uh, the way that he sort of carries himself and portrays himself, and is jumping up and down on the sideline when the guys pull off what they should be pulling off every Sunday. There was—I uh, yeah, can't remember it was it who, who made that who made that tackle at the sideline. But the fact, or the the break, broken up pass—I can't remember what it was now. But there was there was um, there was one play, particularly on the sideline yesterday, where essentially at the end, Salah was basically just over the top of the, the the guy who made the tackle or whatever it was, and was just just basically jumping up and down, wasn't he? And getting like really hyped up about it. And you, you can. We've all sort of questioned him over this season, haven't we? And I think he's uh, he's doing enough at the minute where you can say, well, he probably deserves another chance, and, and rightly so.
0: Yeah, definitely. He he definitely deserves another chance with fit players and yeah. potentially new players, new starters as well. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I, I agree with that. Over the last two games, you can see a remarkable difference in the way he carries himself on the sideline, the way he's um, he, he's motivating his defensive players. And you can see he's getting he's getting more under he's getting a lot more excited on the sidelines. Yeah, and like um, you said, so yeah, it's fantastic with, to watch.
1: Yeah, he's doing it with second and third stringers, not the you know, not the first uh his first choice players who at the start of the season were probably uh, you know, or have all let him down at times.
0: Yeah. Right. Thanks for listening, guys. Catch you later.
1: 49 is deep in the heart like Joe Montana in the corner d Clark, Garrison Hurst, Stiff Farm, going 99, don't get it twisted, one it all with five time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice, down the sideline NDB, greatest on the up all time groove Walgreens, Bill Belichick, we all students of Bill Walsh, don't ever
0: forget